0: Hey everyone, Patrick here. I am so excited our series, The APAM Conversations, was named a finalist for the second annual Signal Awards. To celebrate this, and as part of our campaign to try and win this thing, over the next 10 days, I am re-airing the series in its entirety. I hope you enjoy revisiting these incredible conversations I have with these amazing guests. And if it's your first time listening, welcome. I hope you enjoy them as well. After you listen, please cast your vote. You can find the link to do so in the show notes on IG at Conversation pod piece, or by going to our website, ConversationPeacepod.com. Without further ado, here are the APAM Conversations. conversation piece with Patrick Armstrong. I am the titular Patrick, and this is a show where my guests and I discuss what piece of the conversation we aren't talking about but should be. Special shout out to all of my returning listeners and a high five and hello to everyone joining us for the very first time. Thank you very much. The month of May is Asian Pacific American Heritage Month or APAM, and it's meant to celebrate and reflect on the history and peoples that make up our beautiful communities. As part of that reflection, this month, I'll be sharing nine conversations with friends and folks I greatly admire in the community as we discuss those missing pieces of the Asian-American conversation, what we know, what we might not know, and what we can do about it. These are the APAM conversations. My guest today is half black, half Korean, adopted, a husband, father, and he's learning more about himself as he goes. It is an honor and privilege to welcome Rick Allen to the show. Hey, Rick.
1: Hello. uh Thank you. uh, Thank you for having me. It's a privilege to be here.
0: You are very welcome. It is a privilege and honor of mine. Um, For those who may not know, Rick has been a guest on our other show, The John Chi Show. And I've had the pleasure of meeting Rick out in Seoul uh, when I was there last October. And something that I realized in Seoul was just how much people like to listen to Rick's story. (laughs) <laughs> uh, Rick is an amazing storyteller and it is I love every single time we get to have a conversation, man. So I'm super excited to have you be a part of this series. Um, gave you a little bit of an introduction, but for those listeners who may not know you, uh, can you tell us just a little bit more about yourself?
1: Uh, yeah, um, as you said, I am uh, half Korean. Uh, I am a Korean adoptee born in Incheon, South Korea. Uh, spent most of my life living in Northern Virginia uh, around the D.C. area yes i uh I am married i am the uh, father of a twenty month old twenty month old little girl uh, <laughs> and uh yeah we live in seoul now uh, we'll be here for the next four ish years
0: very very exciting anything in particular you're doing out in seoul besides being a dad
1: uh I am like eating everything I can get my hands on and i mean i'm still i still have a lot to explore uh the city is uh is quite big and there's you know so many little alleys nooks and crannies to explore so many things to eat and drink <laughs> um i'm doing the best that i can but a man's liver is only so strong so sometimes <laughs> i have to dial it down
0: i mean when you're only drinking cass and not drinking Tara, that usually is what <laughs> happens i think <laughs> um it's very exciting to have you here, especially it's 10 o'clock at night over in Korea. So I uh, don't want to waste too much of your time um, with the preamble. So just want to dive right into the conversation. And I think you're going to be able to bring a unique perspective, especially now that you've been outside of the country, outside of the United States for a little bit. Um, like I said at the top of the show, the whole reason for this series is to address the pieces or parts of the conversation around Asian America that we think we should be talking about but aren't right now what part or piece of that conversation do you think that we need to be focusing a little bit more on
1: uh well i think when it comes to uh heritage month specifically right um it's very easy for us to get caught up in uh the the, the stories of you know people who are who are Chinese American, Japanese American, Korean American, obviously. Um, but like, you know, uh, South Asia, uh, points West are also Asia. And I feel like, uh, I don't know how we go about, you know, making sure that they are also a focus, but um, it's, it's very easy to forget that like India is also Asia. Uh, and, you know, we need to make space however we can for those folks also you know just because they're not thought of as as asian necessarily uh the first uh off the tip of your tongue um they do count
0: 100 percent. and i think for you and i especially i think it's easy to go or not easy but i think that's a prominent thing in our minds because we can feel a similar feeling of maybe not being recognized as asian for having been yeah. adopted and for you yeah. especially being mixed race uh asian and adopted Do you feel like you? I mean, have you? Do you feel like you have been finding your way into that space around Asian America, into that conversation? Do you feel like your experience has been missing as well?
1: Uh, Here, here and there, it's it's hard because you know, being like a lot of the half Koreans that I know um, have were raised by a a a Korean parent, right, Mm. and so they have. uh the that side of culture most of the time, and you know i i, I don't really have that and all that stuff i've 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 learned on my own so from from like a storytelling perspective, it can be difficult for me to- w- wade my way in because I don't have the same like sort of experiences as others do um hmm. but I also think that i mean a a lot of i guess traction for better for lack of a better word that I've gained has been because. Uh, I am a Korean adoptee and like other adoptees and Korean adoptees specifically, like don't care that I'm only 50%. Um, and so I guess it's a little, it's a little both where, you know, sometimes I'm kind of like fighting a little bit for, uh, I don't know, credibility, uh, and then then, then other times it, it comes easily.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've heard some people talk about themselves as being like 100% black, 100% Chinese. Is that something that you can resonate with, or
1: I feel like I am. Pro- if I had to divide myself up, <laughs> it's like it's like I'm. It's probably closer to like like two thirds and one third, at least from a cultural cultural perspective. Because my parents, sure. uh, my parents are black. <laughs> And, um, I wasn't, I never found myself to be like wanting for like black culture, at least like in the DC mm. area. Right. But then, you know, from a Korean perspective, I've over the past few years becoming more and more Korean. And so, uh, <laughs> it, it, I wouldn't quite say it's a, it's like a 50, 50 split. I mean, I, I understand that perspective, right. Where it's sure. very difficult to, you know, you're not like pieces of a pie and you can't actually divide yourself up, but it's it's also it just feels like i have some ways to go before i can you know really say uh i'm like what i'm just like black and korean there are no numbers involved uh no equations it's that's just who i am i i'm i think the longer i'm here the the more i'll the closer to that I'll feel um I like we're it. not we're not there yet
0: I like no numbers involved, no equations. I think that's a great way to describe it because I think we can get like you said we can get hung up a lot of times on those numbers or percentages and then we can put some self-limiting beliefs on ourselves like okay, we'll never make it or or that the journey is kind of less significant than the end point essentially mm. where you are wanting to get to this this place but you may not ever get there and then you then you see yourself always looking ahead instead of being able to like work on or, or, or develop yourself during that period of where you would be reaching towards the end.
1: Yeah. I I gotta, I want to, especially, you know, we've, we've been here, I don't know what, eight months, maybe something like that. And I, I want to continue to sort of live in the moment and not think too much about like acquiring, um, all these like sort of cultural landmarks that I feel I need, uh, and sure. just enjoy the life that we have, uh, the life I'm living and, uh, let things happen as they will.
0: I a hundred percent agree. I think that's something I've been working on a lot too, is like, let's stay present in this moment and yeah. this life that we have. And cause it's easy to get caught up in the what if, and a lot of times we get put in that position by other people who May have good intentions, may not have good intentions, or may just be unaware of kind of the way questions or conversations can make a certain person feel. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think it's, I think that's a very interesting thing. Um, when it comes to recognizing that Asian specifically is very broad and encompasses more than just East Asia. I know you said like we don't we don't necessarily know or have the solutions yet, but from like an internal perspective, how do we address that from the Asian Asian American community specifically going outward? Like, how do we address making sure that we are seeing South Asians, Southeast Asians, other people who make up the diaspora, and not as maybe East Asians trying to take up too much of that space?
1: So I, there was a there was a story I, I like I I felt like when i was when i was thinking of like answers to these questions right i was like there's <laughs> got to be there's got to be like some sort of um like someone must have written at some point right like this is like these are like the numbers the t- statistics behind like uh you know because there they're I- like inequities in in like certain minorities uh and within certain minorities in the us uh, when when it comes to like income and um, like benefits, like social benefits they receive. Right? Mm. And there was like an NBC news article about this specifically when it came to the Asian community. And now I'm going to have to go and find it. Um, <laughs> but where, you know, the, like the, you, like, uh, for example, like Burmese people, very small, um, segment of the population, but also like severely disadvantaged in comparison right. to, like, and I think w- we, we have to, m- we have to. We have to teach our. We have to teach ourselves. We have to have like a thirst for the knowledge, to not take for granted. Because, like, I, speaking again of like people from Burma, I don't know anybody knowingly who is from there. And so, sure. how am I going to find out, like, learn anything about like their situation unless unless I desire to do it myself, um, and then I have to actually like go out and 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 do that. Um, and I mean, I think that during the month of May is like a great opportunity to teach ourselves a little bit more about, about, uh, other segments of Asian population in the U S. Um, because like, this is probably the time when most people are paying the most attention.
0: A hundred percent. And I like, I I like what you said, like uh, our, an opportunity to teach ourselves like May is, and then like, that has to be something that we have to be willing to do. I think. it's easy to just go about your day and not necessarily pay too much thought to it. Um, I'm thinking about the National Asian Women, or wait, <laughs> National Asian Pacific American Women's Forum, who just released their 2023 data about the wage gap for women, for oh. Asian women and disaggregate that data so instead of it just looking like okay all asian women are pretty close to that dollar line for every dollar that a white man makes right. when you look at it it's like okay maybe three groups are close to that and then there's like 30 groups yeah. who are not anywhere near and i think burmese people are you know one of the lowest on that on that uh chart i think it might be like 61 cents to the dollar like that's a huge problem and if we don't yeah. Not only do if we don't have people outside of our communities address it, but if we're not addressing that, if we're not aware of that, you know it makes it a lot more difficult for us to then advocate or yeah. support those groups in fighting for whatever it is that they might be fighting for at the time because we just don't have that we just don't know we just don't have that knowledge, and we have to put it higher on the our priority list, I think, yeah. in terms of how we go about. Doing the things that we do, because at the end of the day, we are all we all make up part of a a huge diaspora, a huge population. And the more we build empathy with ourselves amongst our own groups, you know, not even just the ethnic diversity, but like people with disabilities, people who are adopted, people who go through these different things, people who are refugees. Like we think about all of these other identifiers that we don't necessarily always put on a list or we see on the bio card. And, you know, if we're building empathy and solidarity amongst our own groups, ethnically, we can start to do that. And we have a better idea of how to go about doing that for even more marginalized identities that we're not thinking about. Yeah. Um, Speaking of building that solidarity, I think outside of like, we have work to do on the inside, Obviously, when it comes to like this type of question, there's work to be done on the outside as well. So, for folks who are not part of our community, how do they go about supporting us and and and, and finding themselves taking part in this part of the conversation that we're missing as well?
1: I don't know. It's like the the more so I've I've, the more I've become vocal about uh, the difficulties and struggles to, like adoptees uh face whether it be uh transracial adoptees or just like adoptees in America um i feel like the more i i like sort of hammer at it the the more the like more of a difference it's making right and people who um i never thought uh had like any real interest in in learning more about like the plight of adoptees um have you know, sent me messages. Uh, you know, thanking me for like putting it out there, and you know, they didn't realize that this is like uh, these various things uh, within the adoptee sphere are a problem, and that's that building like allyship is mm. like this is is like the key to more people because like it, it's very easy to uh, f- be comfortable in our like little bubble, right? Where, like, right. Adoptees, you know, like, uh, like all the people talking about the ad- adoptees, uh, or most of the people talking about adoptees are also adoptees. Mm. And, you know, I read a lot about this stuff because I follow a lot about adoptees, uh, on, on Twitter and on Instagram. But then, you know, it, when we start to really sort of accidentally reach outside and, other people who follow us for other reasons, see, uh, stories and perspectives that they perhaps didn't even realize that they were looking for, like, then they, we have like a wider net that we're working with. Um, and so I feel like I just need to like the, the, the more, I mean, not <laughs> hammering at it, but like the more I talk about it, uh, the more people outside of just like my, uh, dot the circle, will learn and perhaps then you know they go a little bit further and you know who are these other voices i should be listening to right um so it's it's, it starts small and it starts with us uh and we just have to find ways to reach out and grow from there
0: you are speaking my language in your form you wrote how do we get outside of this echo chamber? And I like, I love that because I feel like I've been having that conversation a lot lately, especially about in the adoptee community specifically, it's like, we can have conversations with each other. We should, it's really important for us to be able to do that, especially for adoptees who are coming into their own awareness. However, the, or, and I guess not however, and we also have to be able to step outside of that comfort zone and have those conversations with people outside of our specific community in order to like build that empathy you said that sometimes like for you like it like can be accidentally stepping outside of the thing can you talk about or can you share a little bit about what that might look like for you while you accidentally kind of get out of there uh, when you're really just only having that conversation within the community how that can kind of make its way out
1: yeah it's i mean people who i've people who i who i know in real life or have because you know, like I'm I'm a big soccer fan, right? So I have like a segment mm. of my social media bubble is like <laughs> soccer people. And then, you know, I I I will start to notice like people in that sort of sphere start like liking some of my like adoption related stuff. And then mm. commenting every now and again, you know, hey, uh I didn't realize uh that, you know, this is like a thing that happens. Um I had friends who like were adopted and I just like never knew because uh, like on the surface, you know, everybody seems so like well-adjusted or whatever. Right. Um, but then they have like a more of like a thirst for the information and I'm more than happy to like explain like why, you know, parts of the, uh, I don't even know that the, <laughs> the large like overarching like adoption, like, the narrative uh, Well, i'm, I'm thinking or, of, like, sort of like demonic like things
0: oh just, okay <laughs> <right>. <laughs> gotcha. okay i get i get what you're saying i get what you're saying uh, the listener at home rick is trying to with his hands uh, uh anthropomorphize or try to <laughs> visualize what, the, what we're talking like adoption about adoption
1: yeah. in and of itself right yes like, yes like, yes, this yes, is yes, like a you. thing that affects about these like far beyond when they grow up and into adulthood and you know people go to therapy and Whereas like a person who was born of their parents and grew up in with like a like a fully assembled family would have no idea, and we yeah. have to we have to have some patience, I think with people like this because they are the ones who talk about this to other people, and you know, right. sometimes I don't have uh, the desire to answer a bunch of questions about like my trauma, but then other times I'm like this is this is helpful in the long run, uh, right. to, to educating people who are not of our ilk. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right? yeah. And, and so, yeah, people who I never thought like, Oh, I'm going to have a conversation with this person that I've known for however many years about this. Cause all we ever talk about is like soccer, but now here right. we are talking about like, adoption and oh you know maybe this person was thinking about adoption but now they're not so sure because Mm. of all the trauma that's attached in like all of our lives um so it's like maybe yeah i I never thought like oh we will be talking about this but having to be willing to do it because it's someone who is actually interested for a reason and not just a curiosity
0: right I think that I mean, a lot of it has to do with being able to put that set that boundary for yourself, you know, like, and knowing and like with fo- some folks like in that group in your in your group of, of soccer connections, your soccer friends like you, at some point knew that you would feel safe enough to like share hmm. with that person, some of your trauma and I I, I appreciate you saying like, I don't always want to share or like relive or rehash that trauma all the time because and this is something else that i've been talking about a lot lately is that not just for adoptees but for anybody who's been like severely not only marginalized but traumatized like i think it's super unfair that we have to ask those folks to tell their stories over and over again in order to get people in power and privilege to listen and be like oh yeah that is a problem maybe we should fund this solution or think about this differently or or draft and try and pass legislation that addresses this issue. Like November we should not really be asking then. people <laughs> to be like, Hey, I know that you had a, like a, a, just a real traumatic experience. Could you talk about that over and over again?
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> like, it's not like, it's just wild to think that we should, that somebody should have to do that. And I think a lot of it goes back to this privilege of storytelling and the fact that it's a privilege for anybody to tell you anything about their lives and that we take that for granted a lot like we expect or or feel entitled to someone's story a lot of the time i think and we don't and a lot of us a lot of times we might not be thinking about the trauma that or or the discomfort that it might take or be causing that person that we're asking hey just tell me more about that tell me more about that you know pushing without really thinking about the consequences whether our intentions were good or not so I appreciate you sharing that because I think it's important to name as we kind of start to come down on the other side of this interview. Um, I appreciate, you know, these action items that you give, I think they all for both inside the community and out, I think they can all be kind of bundled together as just like, listen to each other, make opportunities for to be able to learn more about the different parts of Asian America, as opposed to just staying in that comfort zone, staying in that same bubble. Um, both inside the diaspora and outside for you specifically right now, who is inspiring you? Who is somebody that you're like, yes, I'm learning so much, or I love this person. Um, and you think we should all be listening or following or, or learning from them as well.
1: Well, I, I am consistently learning from Liz Kleinrock in like ways that I never thought I would. <laughs> uh, yes. Cause like when I started, when I first started following her, uh, it was like on an adoptee level, but she mm-hmm. is constantly, like sharing her perspective, which is like frequently enlightening and makes it makes me think, It makes my brain sort of twist and 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 consider things from a slant that I that I hadn't previously. Sure. Um, another person is is very recent. Um, her name is Mija. Uh, she has like a normal Instagram, but she's returned to Jung. She mm. is a half Korean uh, child of a Korean adoptee. Yeah. Um, uh, and she's coming at it, uh, from a lot of different angles, but one that I never have really focused on is like a historical one, mm. uh, as, as pertains to, to, to Korea. And like, I'm, I'm, I've only recently just like met her acquaintance, but I'm, 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 when she is, is coming up with, uh, or sort of like re uh, like other accounts and, and stories like it it's like a focus that I didn't really know I needed. <laughs> sure. Uh, it, well, it, I mean, as a father, yeah.
0: you know, you have a child who is now a child of a Korean adoptee. So yes. it makes yeah, sense. And,
1: yeah. And, uh, you know, it sees, like her story is pretty deep and, um, I, I, it's, I never, I didn't think like I, n- I needed to consider like that angle, but I mean, it's sort of like a, the, the struggle that I face as, a half Korean adoptee uh, who, like, like, a half Korean who didn't grow up with like Korean culture. Mm. Uh, and now, like, the culture that I'm learning, I'm going to be passing along. And so I got sure. Sure, to make sure it's right, you know, like, it's, and, and having it historically accurate is, is like a big deal.
0: Yeah. That's, I mean, that is definitely an angle I haven't really ever thought about, especially thinking about how do we pass down our histories that we never got to our children who look like us and also have a piece of that hist- like are also a part of that history like i hadn't even thought about that i mean honestly that was the whole impetus for me going on my own personal journey was just how can i how how am i going to teach my kids to be asian to navigate mm. the world as asian when i don't have any idea about <laughs> how still,
1: to do that i'm still learning how to be how to be <laughs> asian
0: yeah. Um yeah, I like I really enjoy following her account. I haven't had outside of some DMs, haven't really spoken with her like in depth at all, but she just posted, I think it might have been yesterday as of this recording, um about like intergenerational trauma and yeah. like the three levels and I really liked the breakdown of that. And yeah, I think it's important to approach it from that historical perspective because You know, we have to we have to go get it ourselves. Like that's that's the unfortunate thing. We don't have the conduit of a parent or a grandparent, or even just being in the community. Like, and that's a whole thing in and of itself. Like, if you were to be orphaned in Korea, then not get adopted internationally, or even domestically, then grow up and age out of the foster care system. Like, you still kind of get the history, like that, like that, like that ethnic or racial history. You're living it. But it's, I mean, it's still a whole nother experience, obviously, but, you know, it's just, it's so interesting. And so I appreciate her and other folks who are of, like, this identity that we don't even really talk about yet because (laughs) it's, like, so unexplored, I think. Um, I believe Adoption Mosaic, the the organization Adoption Mosaic, is doing a panel soon that addresses something like this, like children of adoptees. So I'd be interested to see that, but that's a good point. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, Rick, it's been a pleasure having you on. As we wind this down, as I said before, last question. Actually, I have two questions. Um, two more questions. The second to last question is, a lot of people feel a lot of different types of ways about Heritage Months, specifically, myself included. I have wrote a lot about it. Um I don't think it matters one way or the other uh, how you feel about it, but just wanted to ask everyone if they feel comfortable enough. Like, do you celebrate APAM? Do you celebrate Asian Pacific American Heritage Month? And if you feel comfortable enough to explain why, I would love to hear a little bit about that.
1: I do, but I, it's. I feel like I feel about this, this sort of the same way I do about uh, African American Heritage Month, uh, in February. Yeah. <laughs> Oh uh, and it's just like we yes it's 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 a it's great because uh it gives people an opportunity to tell stories and sort of an excuse for other people to listen mm. um but this is something that we have a duty to continue to do in all the other months right um because
2: it's it,
1: to 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 continue is to to normalize. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, it, one should not feel like, oh, well, you know, now that it's the 28th day of February, uh, that's nice, but you know, it's over. Right. Um, it's, it's like a, it's a continuous, uh, obligation, um, that we have, I think, um, outside of, yeah, yes. To participate, um, because other people are, are listening. Um, but also once the month is over, that's not where the duty
0: stops. A hundred percent. I love that. And I think you came up with a great tag to continue is to normalize. I think we need to think about that, especially coming out of those months and realize that, you know, the more that we continue to talk about this, the more importance and significance it takes on. And the more that it becomes enmeshed and ingrained in our societal fabric, I think, where we all are more aware and more mindful, hopefully, um, right now that seems like there's an attack on that <laughs> being mindful and learning about stuff that we should be learning about but whatever that's a conversation <laughs> for another day. Damn. Um Rick again, absolute pleasure to have you on. Last question. How do we support you? How is there any ways that we can support you right now? I realize that a lot of us listening are probably in the states and you're over in Korea so it's a little bit hard physically to come up and yeah. and, and support but is there anything that we can do to support you right now?
1: Uh I mean I guess uh <laughs> Follow me on Instagram, Blazing says. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, and I, I'm actually, I've, uh, to do some production work, but I filmed some stuff for the YouTube channel. Okay. Uh, Hidden on Um, it's been a while. Uh, but, you know, since, since I got here, a lot of stuff has happened. Um, so I'm, I'm putting some stuff together. Um, hopefully, uh, by the end of the month, I'll have it out and uh, we'll. And so, yes, you can follow Hidden Hungogeen on on YouTube, Ablation uh, Says on Instagram, uh, and we can continue the conversations there.
0: Absolutely. You heard it here, folks. Um, Rick, thank you again. Really, really appreciate your time, energy, your story, and for just sitting down and having this conversation and being a part of this series, the 8PM Conversations. For everybody listening, you can find all of the links at Blasian Says. You can find his Instagram stuff. You can find the YouTube channel in the show notes here. And if you want to follow and follow us, you can do that at Conversation Pod on Instagram. If you feel so inclined to leave a rating or review on whatever podcast player you're listening to this on, we would greatly appreciate it. And if you're interested in supporting the show in the future, feel free to hop in my DMs or visit my website, PatrickInTheWorld.me. Until next time, I'm Patrick Armstrong and this has been Conversation Peace. Thanks, Rick. Thank you.